our final hot mess, what to do when your faith is a hot mess. Uh, there's a lot of places we can look in Scripture for examples of what that looks like this morning. Uh, but we're going to read from Psalm chapter 40. And uh, so we're going to read uh, a few verses from Psalm 40 and then uh, Proverbs 3, which gives us uh, both our problem and some of our answers. All right. So Proverbs 40, verses 11 through 13, uh, here's what it says. Uh, Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. Be pleased, O Lord, to save me. O Lord, come quickly to help me. Uh, And then Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, you may be familiar with this morning. It says this, It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Uh, Well, this morning, you know, occasionally when I write sermons, I have tons of notes and I get word studies and I get all the fun stuff that you get to do when you research. I don't know if you guys know, but writing a sermon is actually pretty fun. Some of you guys probably think that that is a terrifying thing to think about. Uh, but if we're being honest, the research part is what, not what you're terrified of. You're terrified of the presentation part, all right? Uh, the research side is fun, all right? You get to go look up all this stuff and research and do the things. It's a ton of fun. Uh, it's, it's this part that most of you don't like. Uh, so this morning, uh, I like to kind of vary back and forth between heavy on the research side and the, here's what this word means and, and here's how you do this. I like to vary that out a little bit with, uh, with just some stuff from the heart. And, uh, and so I write it out throughout the week, and then, uh, and then I like to just go without my notes for Sunday morning because I find it's easier to go from my heart. I feel less uh, conflicted if I get off my notes, if I don't have them in front of me, right? Because if my notes are in front of me, then they're yelling at me because I'm not using the notes. Uh, but that's just how my mind works. And so this morning is such a, a sensitive topic. Uh, because some of the other ones we've talked about with our families and our finances, they're sensitive, but not in quite the same way as when we talk about our faith. There's something about our faith that feels intimate that, that some of these other topics have not necessarily hit at. Uh, and part of that is because we have this idea with our faith that it's like, it's me and Jesus and, and nobody else. Everybody else needs to butt out, right? And in some regard, that's true. In some regard, your faith is very personal. It's you and Jesus in a relationship together. The problem is we all have a relationship with him too. <laughs> and so, so how, do we, how do we navigate this, especially when our faith is not as direct as we'd like it to be? Because if the one thing, the one thing that we all don't want to admit is that there are moments in our lives, and sometimes more frequently than others, but there are moments where our faith is a mess. It's just messy. <laughs> and we don't like to admit that because, because what we see, what we see of other people today is often what we see on social media, right? And on social media, what we see is, uh, is everybody's life is perfect. Everybody shares their Bible verses and they love Jesus and everybody's great, right? That's what we see. And so when we see that, we think, wow, I must be the only one who is a mess, in my relationship with Jesus. I must be the only one. And so what do we do? 
What, what do we do when we feel like we're the only one? Well, the first thing we have to admit this morning as a church collectively is that if you're feeling that way, you're not the only one. That not only are the other people in this room, we all have this messy faith. But scripturally speaking, messy faith is kind of the norm. This, this idea that, that somebody's going to be faithful 100% of the time and, and right, they, they, they never watch TV, they only read scripture, right? They, when they're in the car, they're listening to scripture, right? They pray every waking moment of the day. This is the sort of picture we put on other Christians around us, and we, we put this unrealistic expectation of other people. But when we dig into Scripture, we find people like Peter who walked with the Lord, I mean, side by side, holding hands practically. And Peter, when the time comes and the, the, the thing really matters, he denies Jesus. Not once or twice, but three times. Faith, faith is a messy thing. Faith would be a lot easier, we think, if Jesus would show up and sit right next to me on the couch. Right? If I could just sit and chat with Jesus this morning on this couch, faith would be so much easier. But Peter got to do that, and his wasn't any less messy than mine. He got to be with Jesus, and yet he has these moments still. So faith, faith as a whole is messy. But the one person that I really love, when I, and the first person I think of, when I think of somebody with a messy faith, is David. And it's why we're, why we're in Psalm 40 this morning, because David's relationship with the Lord was pretty messy. He had some really good, like, highlight moments in his life, right? When David is chosen as the next king as a, as a boy, he's the youngest in his family. They almost forget he's there. This is a highlight moment. God has chosen David. He's seen David's heart, right? David, as a young man, is considered uh, a man after God's heart. And we think, wow, look at David. And then that it's the same David that looks out from his balcony and sees a young woman bathing and thinks, I need to have her. So much so that he tries to have her husband murdered, <laughs> right? Let's send him out. <laughs> this is the same David, who just a second ago was a, a guy after God's own heart. See, David's, David's relationship with the Lord was messy too. <laughs> it was this, this back and forth. And there's nowhere where that's more evident than in the Psalms of David. When David writes, he writes of these really good moments, and he writes of the really bad ones, and he puts them in the same psalm. It's not like one psalm is all the good stuff about God, and then the next psalm is all my struggle. He puts them both together in the same psalm. And it's because in our lives, we are going to have good moments with the Lord, and we're going to have tough moments with the Lord. Sometimes those tough moments come along because of things we've done, and we'll talk about that in a second. But it's funny because for most of us, we think of faith, when we think of faith, we think it has to be good. It has to be good all the time. I have to be wildly faithful. I get it right every single time. And that's really easy to do when our life is going well. When, there's, when our family is not quite as messy, when our finances are keeping up and we even have a little bit extra, right? When our church is not a mess and we love our church, it's so much easier to be faithful to feel like we're being more faithful and that God is being more faithful to us. And it's why in this psalm, David starts this way. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock 
and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you have planned for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. So David starts this psalm off with, life is great, right? God is so great. It's so good. God is awesome. He says, I couldn't even number all the good plans that you have for me. That's verses 1 through 5. Then we get to verse 11. Same exact psalm, same song. He's saying, Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me, for troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. So there's a, there's a couple of great truths in this passage that I want you to pick up on. The first is that when David is, is praising how great life is at the beginning, if you look at it, he really isn't. He, he doesn't say a word about his own life. His praise is for God. His praise is, look at what God has brought me through. Look at what God has done. When I, when I turned to the Lord and he heard my cry, he hears my cry. Right? His praise, what is good in his life, is always God himself. Who God is and what God does for him is always good. This questioning that happens in verse 11, where we sort of see this shift. And the shift we see is we move from God is so great and he hears my cry to it's time for me to cry again. <laughs> I need to cry out to the Lord because I know that in the past I cried out and he answered me. But right now, it certainly doesn't feel like he's answering me. And those are the moments when, when, when our life takes a turn that we didn't expect, when it takes a turn that, that we don't like, that's a lot harder to manage. Those are the moments where faith gets way more messy because we start to ask questions. Well, why, why would God allow that to happen to me? Or why would God allow this or that? Where is God in this? And these are the exact same moments that David has. David has these same moments where he knows, he knows in his head that God has done great things for him, that God is faithful and good, and he knows it here. And most of us do too. When our faith is messy and we're not sure where God's at, we know up here because we've read it, we've been in church, we know what God has done. But we don't feel it because we're in a moment where we feel abandoned. Right? He, he praises God for how great God is and then turns and says, God, don't withhold your mercy. Where's your mercy right now? <laughs> and so we get into these messes. And these messes, uh, I think David categorizes two of them really well here. Uh, first, he says in verse 12, for troubles without numbers surround me. You know, they, there's, a, there's a saying that people say, right? Life happens. <laughs> Life happens. There are troubles that come that we didn't necessarily bring upon ourselves. There are troubles that happen, oftentimes because of something somebody else did, <laughs> but we personally did nothing, and yet we have this trouble that has happened. Life is difficult. Now, 
Sometimes that's a, a sick family member. Sometimes it's, it's those financial struggles we talked about, the layoffs. But other times it's just seasons where we think, man, I just can't get a break. <laughs> I just can't catch a break. It's one thing after another. And usually those seasons are such small minor things that if they were just one of them, we would go, oh, I'll handle it. It's not a big deal. But when we get 18 small little things, they begin to add up. And it feels like life is troublesome. And suddenly, it's God's fault. <laughs> Why would God let this happen? So there are moments where our faith is messy because of troubles in our lives, things that we didn't cause. But the second part are things that we did do, where David says in the second half of verse 12, my sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. See, David, David did some things that brought about some trouble. It brought about the trouble he was having, his sins. And man, there is something that happens when we have like a realization of how sinful we are, of how stuck in some of our old habits we are. There's this realization of, my goodness, why would God want me? Why would God be merciful to me? I was talking this week, I was talking this week with a friend of mine who is a, a youth pastor, and, uh, and he said they were going to do a series on on sexuality and purity with his youth group, and they, and which is always a very fun topic for youth group, I'm sure. Uh, but he he shared a stat with me that absolutely blew me away. He said that uh, last year they did a study of youth who were like 15 to 19 years old, and they found that 90 percent of youth kids had watched porn at least once. 90 percent. Like I I expected it to be high, right? 90. These are, things, these are things that we often don't like to talk about. Sin is something we don't like to talk about because when we, when we think about talking about Jesus, we're like, well, Jesus is away from that, right? But Jesus came to take care of that. We can't take care of things we won't acknowledge, right? And for a lot of us, our messes are caused by these sins that we won't acknowledge. David acknowledges his to the point where he says, not just, not just as he say, hey, I've sinned, my bad, he says, my sins have overtaken me, and I can't even see. He said, they're more than the hairs of my head. They're more than the hairs of my head. So some of us, our struggle with our faith, our faith is messy because we're still dealing with some big sins in our lives. Things that we either won't acknowledge are there, or things that we don't want to acknowledge are wrong. But there's a third category here. That's, that's more subtle in David's, but I think is worth noting. He says, They're more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. Scripture talks a lot about the heart and, and how the heart is the root of a lot of things. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture says that it's from the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. The heart is an important part of who we are. But he says, My heart fails within me. And often when we think about our heart, we think about our desires. right? We think that desire comes from the heart. When we say that we love someone, we think of love, associate love with our hearts. Our desires come from our hearts. And a lot of times our faith is a mess. Our relationship with Jesus is messy because our desires are not in alignment with his. And so it's either messy because we recognize that and we're struggling because we're like, man, how do I get my heart and my mind, how do I get my desires to align with the Lord? How do I get my heart to reflect the heart of God? 
And that's a hard quest to be on. Because you, we, we read Scripture and we go to church and we're in the Bible studies and we know where we should be going and for some reason we just can't get our desires aligned to the right spot. But the more dangerous place to be is to think that our desires are aligned with the Lord when they're not. To not realize that our hearts are not aligned with the Lord's. Because then when someone comes along and says, hey, have you... Have you considered it might be this? We're in immediately antagonistic or defensive. Well, no, it, it, God only does it this way. <laughs> and so there are outside troubles, there are our own sins, and there are, there are our, our misalignment of desires. All of these things make our faith messy. It makes it tricky because, because we want to be in alignment. We want to be free of our sins. We want to be free of trouble. But then we get into the New Testament, and we, we have these verses where, where Jesus essentially says, you should expect to find trouble if you're going to follow me. You should expect to have struggles with the world. And we say, well, that's, that's all good and fine. I'm struggling with you, Lord. I'm struggling to see where your, where your will is at. I'm struggling to see how you're involved in this, this piece or this thing that's happening. And often for us, it's, it's just a matter of perspective. We don't get the, the full big picture perspective that God gets. We only get a little snippet, right? We get, we get 70, 80, 90 years, a snippet of how the world works. And so David cries out. He says, be pleased, O Lord, to save me. Come quickly to help me. He cries out to the Lord. See, I really think that's interesting because you have David in the first half of the psalm where he's praising God for how great he is, and then the second half he's saying, God, I don't know what to do. I don't understand why you haven't come through for me yet. <laughs> and the wild part is, if you've never read the book of Psalms, this is so many of David's psalms just reworded. <laughs> so much of David's writing is this back-and-forth relationship with the Lord. I know you're good, but I don't feel it. Because where I'm at right now doesn't feel good. But yet, despite that, despite this, this messy faith, this messy relationship, David still cries out to the Lord. David is able to, to push past some of these emotions and some of these, these short-term pictures that he has, his troubles and his sins and his heart failing him, he's able to push past some of these. And still he cries out to the Lord. So I wonder sometimes it, when our faith gets messy, our tendency, it feels like to me, and maybe, maybe I am the only one who feels this way and you don't feel this way, but it feels to me that when my faith gets messy, when I'm not sure where God's at in something, my, my tendency is to turn away from him. Right? It's, it's just like in any other relationship, right? You're, when, you're, when you get into an argument with your spouse, right, one of the, the biggest tactics we use is what? We're going to run away. I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. Right? We had, a whole, we had like a whole week about this in our marriage class. We want to avoid the person. And we do the same thing with God. 
right? If, if we can't see where God's at or we don't understand what he's doing in a moment or we think, God, why am I still struggling with this sin? We hide. We want to hide from the Lord. But David does the opposite. When his faith gets messy, he presses in even further. He says, I don't get it, but I know I need you. And we know that that at some level this gets passed down to his son. Because in Proverbs, again and again it tells us to trust in the Lord. To trust the Lord, trust the Lord, trust the Lord. Heck, most of Scripture tells us to trust the Lord. So what does it look like when your faith is messy? What would it look like instead of running from the Lord to just go to Him, to press in even further than you were before and say, God, I don't get what you're doing. In some moments, it's, it might even be a, God, I'm angry with you. Why didn't you. Why didn't you change this situation? Why didn't you shift this thing I was praying about? I prayed. We get angry and we want to turn away. But what does our mess look like if instead of turning away, we do like David and we cry out, be pleased, O Lord, to save me. He says, may all who seek to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation always say, the Lord be exalted. See, David has enough experience to know that even when things are rough and he can't see God, he has to be there somewhere. Because <laughs> it's us, and I want, I want you to make sure you get this, when, when faith is a mess, it's always us who turns away. It's never God. God does not turn away from us. So this week, if you've been feeling like, man, I don't know how to get my faith in order. Like, I don't know. I can't see where God's at right now. <laughs> he says, seek and you will find. <laughs> That's simple. We make it a lot more complicated than that, and we find all kinds of ways to make it more complicated. But at the end of the day, he says, simple, four words, seek and you find. Seek and you find. So this week, if your faith is messy and, and you're, not, you're not sure where God's at and, and maybe you're in a waiting period, maybe there is some sin in your life that you feel like, i got to handle this before I can approach the Lord, right? Don't run. Don't hide. Press in. Press in. Because you are not on your own in that scenario. You are one of a long line of people who has struggled to see God in a situation in their lives. That even though in your head you know that God is faithful and he won't let you down, in your heart you're just not feeling it. <laughs> Press in. Press into the Lord this week. Let me pray. God, we come this morning and we want to be honest. We want to be honest that when things are good, it's easy to see you and to give you credit and to say, oh yeah, God is good. But when the struggles come, when the troubles come, when our sins are so obvious in front of our face, when our hearts are not in alignment, God, with yours, we run. 
We hide. We try anything we can to get as far away from you as possible. So God, this week, I pray, especially for those in the room this morning and online with us, God, I pray for those who are in a season where it's been hard to see you. I pray for those who have struggled to see your goodness and your faithfulness. For those who have prayed and prayed and prayed and still don't feel like they have an answer. God, I pray for those who would say their faith is messy. And I ask God, just as David, just as David wrote in this psalm, to be pleased to save them. God, that you would not withhold your mercy, but this week that they would see you, that they would press into you, God, that you would deal with whatever is going on in their hearts and in their minds that, that kicks into that, that uh, escape instinct. God, cut right through and call them home. Call them home to your presence, to your goodness, to your work, that even though they can't see it, God, they would press in. So God, really I'm just inviting you to show up in big ways this week for those who are struggling. Show up, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.